We are three weeks into our five-part sermon series on the Holy Spirit titled, Knowing the Holy Spirit. Today we draw back the curtain on the most important truth in all of Christianity. Throughout the ages, theologians have declared that this one biblical truth is the diamond in the center of the elaborate setting of God's marvelous gospel. And so please contemplate this. The more you understand this truth and the more you meditate upon it and its many implications in your life, the more alive you become. Our church's motto, alive in Christ, is rooted in it. And what is it? Union with Christ. I know I touch upon this topic at least once a year, if not more, so it shouldn't be alien to most of us, but today it is the whole entire servant. Today we investigate the important truth that the, that the work of the Holy Spirit, whereby he unites us to Jesus Christ. British physician turned minister Martin Lloyd-Jones writes that union with Christ is true Christianity, the very essence of Christianity, and nothing less than that. See, union with Christ is what makes you a Christian. More than that, everything in the Christian life is founded upon being united to Christ. Add to that, the more we understand this work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the more alive to Christ and his kingdom we become. Oh, that we would plumb the depths of this union with Christ to see how it would transform us. Now, one person it certainly transformed was the Apostle Paul. He understood that his life was um, completely bound up in his union with Christ by this work of the Holy Spirit. We see this in our passage this morning. See if you can pick up on it as I read Galatians 2, verse 20, through chapter 3, verse 3. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected? by the flesh. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these truths before us this morning are rich and beautiful and magnificent. Our minds have a hard time wrapping around um, what we're going to be looking at. We're so thankful that uh, in your mind it's perfectly clear. And since we have the mind of Christ and we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, help us by these means to understand your word um, so that we would treasure it more, that we would understand what our union with Christ is and how it means everything in our lives, now and forevermore, we pray. Amen. 
You know, you don't need to know the Apostle Paul's story to get a good sense from that short little passage that I read that, that Paul's life was utterly transformed, right? He says, I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There it is. Union with Christ. I was crucified with Christ, past tense. I was on the cross with Christ. The person who now lives is not, not, is not the old me, but the Christ in me, me. <laughs> Paul is referring to his union with Christ. And listen, it is central to his identity as a Christian. And so it must be ours as well. Do you see the consequences? Because Paul is intimately aware of his union with Christ, he lives triumphantly on earth. Christian, the more you comprehend your union with Christ, the more alive you become. Now, I think in honesty, we Christians today examine the lives we're living and it's compared to Paul's, and we confess, you know what? We're just not at his level of zeal, right? He's like five standard deviations away from the norm, right? We see how hard he strived, and we wonder if we will ever strive like him. Or we wonder, is it really necessary to work that hard? I'm under grace, after all. I think if Paul were here, he would say, and I quote, uh, Grace Church, my focus is not on my strivings. That way of living is over for me, the way of the law. You cannot be perfected by the works of the flesh strivings. My new life in Christ began as a work of the Spirit who united me to Christ. I no longer focus on my strivings, for now I focus on my union with Christ. And the more I meditate upon it, who I am now in Christ, the more I ponder the implications of my life being hidden in Christ, the more alive I become. And yes, I serve. My zeal for Christ, or whatever strivings you may see me do, they are a byproduct of the delight I have for what God has done for me in Christ. So then my life as a Christian is merely a response to this grace that I have, that we have in Christ. I think that's what Paul would say. Put that in a little footnote in my notes here. I'm quoting Paul there. See, we tend to focus on the Christian life being about our strivings, is it not? Well, we know we're saved by grace, but every day we feel like, I gotta be a better Christian. Someone so does such great things, I wish I were like them. I gotta strive, I gotta work. Our lives become focused upon what we want to make of ourselves or who we're trying to make ourselves into. But Paul shows us the primary, that the primary thing that he is focusing upon isn't the level of striving or where his strivings will take him. His primary focus is upon where he is already. And where is Paul already? Paul is in Christ. His whole life is hidden in Christ. We will go into more details in this later, but when you understand what God has done for you through this work of the Holy Spirit to, to unite you 
to Christ, you become one who's at, who's at complete rest in this world and filled with joy. Oh, and yes, you do things for Christ in this kingdom out of that joy. And you become one who renounces the old way of strivings. Those strivings that always make you feel like you fall short of the mark, right? That is what Paul challenges the Christians in Galatia to understand in verses 2 and 3. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So let us begin digging into this work of the Holy Spirit to unite us to Christ. What we must understand is that a Christian is someone who's been united to Christ by a work of the Holy Spirit. And this union with Christ changes everything for us, for it is, in fact, true Christianity. This morning, we're going to divide our time into two areas, the facts and the features. The facts and the features. First, the facts. What is union with Christ? Well, the gifted theologian John Murray says that union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. Did I pique your interest? First, let me give you a textbook definition. I don't know if you're going to follow this very well, but here's what Dick Gaffin says. He says, the expression union with Christ refers to the believer's solidarity or association with Christ by the Holy Spirit through faith, by virtue of which believers partake of his saving benefits. Okay, I know we're still scratching our heads there. All right, maybe that didn't help too much. All right, uh, I'm not going to repeat that. Uh, but let me just try to describe it. What God does for his people is that in a mysterious way, by the work of the Holy Spirit, he unites his people to Christ in such a way that their very lives are now in Christ in the most realist of ways, although we don't quite get it. Paul refers to it within our text. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul is speaking of this union with Christ in his letter to the Colossian church. Listen, he says in Colossians 3.3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If we just spend time just meditating on that for the entire week, union with Christ, for you have died, and your life is now what? Hidden with Christ in God. Now, if that is true, if that is true, that is one of the most transforming, amazing truths in all of life. My friends, this union with Christ is everywhere in the New Testament. Let me just run through a few mentions. You ready? Believers are created in Christ, Ephesians 2. Crucified with him, Galatians 2. Buried with him, Colossians 2. Baptized into Christ and his death, Romans 6. United with him in his resurrection, Romans 6. Seated with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2. Christ is formed in believers, Galatians 4, and dwells in our hearts, Ephesians 3. Christ is in us, 2 Corinthians 13. And we are in him, 1 Corinthians 1. The church is of one flesh with Christ, Ephesians 5. Believers gain Christ and are found in him, Philippians 3. 
Furthermore, we are justified in Christ, Romans 8. Glorified in him, Romans 8. Sanctified in him, 1 Corinthians. Called into fellowship with him, 1 Corinthians. Made alive in him, Ephesians 2. Created anew in him, 2 Corinthians. Adopted with Christ, in Christ, Galatians 3. And elected by him, in him, and with him, Ephesians 1. I haven't even opened up the Gospels. Or or 1 John. Remember all that? Abide in Christ, abide with me. Union with Christ is everywhere in the New Testament, and it's absolutely fundamental. It's a fundamental gospel conviction of the apostles, and they want us to understand it as well. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's quickly look at another passage. Our union with Christ is all throughout Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Here's what we read in in chapter 2. And you were dead, all right? Dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world. But God, being rich in mercy because of what the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, now here we go, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God has graciously placed us in Christ. We are in him already. And we are alive in him. Raised with him, seated with him. Christian, do you see your life this way? It changes everything when you do. I think perhaps we need to start reading our Bibles a little bit differently. We need to be looking for this everywhere, right? Here's an illustration I often use um, with regards to this union with Christ. See this book here? Happens to be a book on union with Christ. How about that? That's pretty amazing. It's a good one, too, by, uh, by Rankin Wilborn. Um, picture this book as Christ, and this bookmark is you. You put your bookmark in the book. When the bookmark is placed in the book, it becomes part of the book, does it not? It is in union with the book. If you were to put this book in an oven, the bookmark heats up in union with the book. If you set it out in a thunderstorm, the bookmark gets soaked with rain, just as the book. If you throw it into a fire, the bookmark is consumed in union with the book. That is the picture of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Now, I know how you're wired. Before we try to figure out how God does this union with Christ thing, Just spend some time trying to wrap your head around what it is. Somehow, in a real way, God made it happen so that your life is hidden in Christ. You are united with Christ. Listen, the perfect life you should have lived, well, when Jesus walked the earth, in a real way, you were there with him in Christ as he perfectly fulfilled the law. When Jesus hung on the cross, in a real way, you were there with him 
as you bore your sins, as Jesus lay in the tomb in darkness of death that is due us in a real way, you were there in Christ. And when Jesus rose from the grave, yes, I think you're getting the point, uh, in a real way, you rose with him. In a real way, as Paul wrote, you are now seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly how this happens, but God does. Somehow, the spirit of union with Christ makes it happen. And we cannot see it or appreciate it with our physical eyes, for it's not a physical union with Christ. We must see it with our spiritual eyes, because this is a spiritual union. Now, listen, just because it is a spiritual reality doesn't mean it's any less real. Right? It may not seem real to you. It might seem mysterious, but not so to God. Your union with Christ is so real, so real that God considers it completely so. And so if God delights in our union with Christ, then so to us. Christian, can you see how this changes everything? Instead of wondering what strivings uh, we need to do in order to get closer to God, we should instead wonder and delight in the fact that we cannot get any closer to God than where he's already placed us in Christ. There's nothing more you need to do. You cannot get any more closer to Christ than being in Christ. You're already there. And to know this changes everything. We become people who live it out. We live out who we are. We come alive in Christ. You know, Paul stopped striving in the flesh for he was alive in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so too we. When we come to delight in our union with Christ, we come alive in Christ. It is then that we, that we drop our nets and follow him. We sell everything to buy the field. We consider it joy when others persecute us. When your life is hid in Christ, everything, everything changes. Christian, this is who you are now. You are in Christ. What a grace, what a treasure. That's the fact. Now for the features of our union with Christ. You know what, I think I'm just covering three of them. They're like a mile deep, all right? So uh, if you want to study more on this, you can. Shoot me an email. I'd be glad to maybe put some resources in your lap, but... Union with Christ impacts everything in our Christian lives because everything about us is now impacted by the fact that we are united with Christ. So let me just give you a few characteristics, features of this union with Christ. And the first is this. Our union with Christ is eternal. Now, when I say that, I don't just mean eternal as in eternal into the future. I mean eternal into the past. Be amazed by this reality. God the Father united you in Christ the Son in eternity past. That's when it was accomplished. Let's be clear. God didn't wait for you to believe in Christ. And then on some Thursday night, August 12th, uh, then he unites you to Christ. Ooh, oh, I had no idea. So-and-so was going to believe and then get united. Okay, I guess I got to unite the person to Christ. All right, August 12th. 
That'll be a day I remember, says God. No. It might feel like that from that perspective, from your perspective. But God did not wait for you to believe and then unite you to Jesus Christ. No, God united you to Jesus before the world was created. Before anything was created. And so the reason why you came to believe in the first place is because God had already placed you in Christ before the dawn of time. Wow, you said. But as a good Presbyterian, you say, well, where is that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Look at the opening words of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many? Every. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. We're going to look at that next week. For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The beloved being Jesus. Now, I know some Christians push back at the idea that God chose us long before we ever chose him that he predestined some for adoption to himself through Christ according to the purpose of his will, not ours. I know that some Christians push back, but, but there it is. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ. Before time began, before you ever had a good or bad thought or did anything good or bad, think it through. Before God created the universe and mankind made in his image to reflect his glory, he knew that Adam, who represents us all, would sin and bring sin and death into this world. He already knew that before he created the world. And he already knew that a savior would be needed. So before the foundation of the world said, the, the son of God said, yes, I will do it. I will be the mediator. I'll be the God man who goes down. And so the father knew ahead of time that he would adopt. So much so that before time began, he had already united his people to Christ. Before time began, the body of Christ was formed in God's mind as to who he would bring, who would belong to Christ, who he would place in Christ. Christian, this is stellar. The love of God for you is a before the creation of the world kind of love. From heaven's perspective, you have always been in Christ. Let that sink in. From heaven's perspective, you have always been in Christ. There was never a day when you weren't. Yes, even those teenage years when you rebelled or your 20s when you were the great atheist, you were still from heaven's perspective, always have been in Christ. God gave you to Christ, and Christ accepted you as his very own. Christ said, yes, I will take all of those as mine. He did that before anything was created. This means that the church has always been in Christ. Christ is the head, and we are the body. 
And this has always been. Oh, you might have come to faith 12 years ago, and you may struggle with what it means to be a part of Christ's body of the church, but Jesus sees us differently. We are the body and have been so for eons. That is how much he loves us. That's why Jesus is able to pray in John 17 these words. Father, the glory, listen, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. Why? That's amazing. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them. Listen. And love them even as you loved me. Listen, did you hear Jesus' words? Father, you loved them even as you loved me. As you loved me, you have loved them. Understand the difference. It's not like you have loved me, but as you have loved me. Think about that for a while. God doesn't just love us like he loves Jesus. No, he loves us as we are Jesus. How can that be? Because you've been united to Christ before the foundation of the world. Because you've always been in union with Christ. Always, from God's perspective. Does that change how you see yourself? Can you see how if you let that form your identity, everything changes? Can you see why this is considered true Christianity? Next, let's look at the communal aspects of it. We've touched on it a bit, but typically I think when people think of union with Christ, it's just me and Jesus, right? But actually it's communal. Our modern Western culture is big on the individual. But in the Bible, the focus of God is upon his covenant people. Christ died not for individuals so that they could become the church. He died for the church, which is made up of individuals. Jesus gave his life for the church. He offered himself up for his bride. He redeemed for himself a body. And so it's important when considering union with Christ to see it corporately. In eternity past, try to figure this out. In eternity past, God the Father gave the bride to Christ, the bridegroom. And then at the right time, Jesus left heaven for her, the church. This intimate relationship of union with Christ is a union of the head with the elect body of Christ, chosen before the foundation of the world. The Son is given by the Father to be head of them because he loves us. And we were chosen from the foundation of the world. He's like, Christ, these are yours. This is my people. They are chosen together from the foundation of the world. And one Puritan divine named Thomas Goodwin describes it this way. He speaks of of Mother's Day, great thing, uh, in the womb how a child is formed. As in the womb, head and members are not conceived apart, right? Hello. But together, as having relation to one another. 
so were we and Christ, as making up one mystical body to God, formed together in the eternal womb of election. Picture that. And so do you see why Paul devoted himself so radically for the body of Christ to be built up? Paul is alive in Christ, and he understands that this this body of Christ, the church, is Christ's body. He's got a big picture of the body of Christ. He's got a big theology or or ecclesiology. And because God has cherished the body of Christ from before time began, so too Paul. And so he lives with great zeal and love for the body of Christ. Now, can you see how this understanding changes everything? Consider how differently we will live in light of this truth. To know that your brothers and sisters in Christ, though they may frustrate you in many ways, I'm sure I frustrate a lot of you. To know that they belong to the eternal body of Christ that was united to Christ before time began? Wow. Does this not stir up sympathies in your heart towards all? Does it not cause you to glory in the other members of the body? Glory in them, even with all their failings and the ways they could improve, you know, the countless myriad things that God wants to work in us. It should stir up those sympathies in our hearts towards all. And does it not cause you to glory in the other members of the body, even if they be weaker or unpresentable? So says Paul. The same spirit that works to unite us to Christ has united us as one body. We are a spiritual body, yes, but no less real than Christ's physical body and no less loved or treasured by Christ. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ as one body and keeps us united to Christ as his body. The third feature is this. Listen, every blessing that Christ enjoys, and there are a lot of them and they're pretty big, guess what? They're ours. The gospel, we must understand this, the the gospel is far more than forgiveness of sin. The gospel is union with Christ. So often we conflate the gospel with forgiveness of sin. It just becomes so one-dimensional, right? Don't get me wrong, sin, forgiveness of sin, it is accomplished in the gospel. It's part of our union with Christ. But forgiveness of sin is not the goal of the gospel. It's not. Not even close. See, the fullness of Christianity, true Christianity, is this union with Christ. And and, and the Christian's union with Christ means more than just forgiveness of sin. It means that everything that is Christ is ours already, too, in this very moment. Every blessing that Jesus enjoys is ours already. That's the gospel. Phil Riken makes this eye-opening point when he writes, In being united to Christ, we receive not only Christ himself, but also his benefits. 
What is his becomes ours, for God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3. Consider some of the blessings that are ours by virtue of our union with Christ. Christ being eternally loved by the Father. That love of the Father is our benefit and blessing too by virtue of our union with Christ. Christ's glory, our glory. Christ's joy, our joy. Christ's holiness, our holiness. Christ's perseverance, our perseverance. Christ's fruit of the Spirit, our fruit of the Spirit. Christ's resurrected body, our resurrected body. Christ's sonship, Christ, that's all I'm going to say. Christ's sonship is our sonship. We're on that next week. Christ's eternal inheritance, hello, our eternal inheritance. Christ's fellowship with the Trinity as the second person of the Trinity. Our fellowship with the triune God. Every blessing, small and large, is yours and is only yours by virtue of this great gospel reality called union with Christ. And because this is the work of the Holy Spirit to unite us to Christ, the benefits, listen, the benefits rest not in our clever procurement of them, nor in our faithfulness to earn them or maintain them. We could just be good Christians one day. No, the spirit of union with Christ powerfully and eternally has united us to Christ. This union which God began before the universe began is permanent. It cannot be undone by you, even on your worst day of backsliding or whatever. Isn't that amazing? These are just a few of the features of being in union with Christ. We barely begun to scratch the surface. Trust me, volumes of books have been written on this subject. Wish we had more time. But hopefully you see that union with Christ is true Christianity. The gospel is greater than we think. God's grace towards us has no beginning in time. For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God loves us as his eternal divine son. For we are hidden in Christ. Seated with him. Raised with him. And one day we'll be resurrected by him, with him, for his glory. A glory which he will share with us. Christian, do you see how our lives are meant to flow out of our union with Christ? As we come to the Lord's Supper, let us marvel at what this meal signifies that we who gather in faith to share in the meal have belonged to the body of Christ and to each other from before the foundation of the world. This is who we are, Grace Presbyterian Church. We do not strive to belong to this table of fellowship. We have belonged to this communion from the foundation of the world. So own it. Own it. We are already alive in Christ. So approach this table in confidence.
And as we come forward, let us repeat over and over who we are now in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Let's pray. Well, Father, we we shouldn't expect anything less than something over the top, mind expanding, heart elevating, I don't even want to call it doctrine, it's beyond doctrine. This is the gospel. This is true Christianity. You are a great God. Uh, Help us to be people who look up and rejoice in what you've done from the foundations of the world for people like us. We don't deserve to be at that table, but in Christ, we belong there. Help us to live this out. May our identity be shaped by what we've briefly gazed at. Help us to gaze more and more, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.